we're picking up where we left off a couple months ago in this series called Momentum. Everybody say Momentum. momentum. If this is your first time at Walk or maybe you came during Christmas time, uh, this may be a new concept for you, but our church turned seven years old in September. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And, you know, we love celebrating birthdays. We celebrate all types of stuff here at Walk, but we, we love our birthday because it's just a reminder of all God has done over the past seven years. And the word he gave me for this next season and for 2023 is the word momentum. Momentum by definition means forward motion. It's the, the concept of a train or a baseball or an object that's moving at a fast pace. It's going forward. If something has momentum, they're not going backwards. They're they're moving with the direction of forward motion. And my prayer is that the church, in this case, Walk Church, would have momentum this year. We would have momentum on our groups, momentum on our Sundays, momentum on our families, momentum on our singles, momentum on our students, momentum on our babies, momentum on our lives. Amen? Amen. Momentum is carrying us forward. And it's not what we do. We don't create that in our own strength. It's, it's what he does as we lean and depend on him. Paul in the book of Philippians says, I no longer focus on what's behind me. Some things need to stay in 2022. Y'all know what I'm saying? Like, hey, I got the t-shirt. I don't need another one. <laughs> you can stay back in 2022. I'm going into this new year with momentum, forward motion. Paul says, I don't, I don't strive for what's behind me. I strive for what's ahead. The upward call in Christ, forward motion. I want to talk about momentum this year in this first Sunday. It's, it's unique that we get an opportunity on January 1st, New Year's Day, to have a service, right? What, what, what do you preach on? What do you speak about? I want to preach a, a sermon that I'm titling the subject, Habits That Shape Momentum. Habits That Shape Momentum. And the reason why I chose that title is because I believe you're either going to get to the end of 2023 in December. Put yourself in this room, December of 2023. Now look backwards and see, did you do the things you wanted to do or not? Did you hit the goals that you set today or not? Did you live the life that you envisioned? Did you walk it out? Did you have momentum or not? Here's the answer. The answer will be if you had habits that led to that or not. Do you have systems, habits, and patterns put in place in your life now that will lead you to that direction? You've heard me say it before. Your patterns determine your potential. So don't just talk about it like it's a great goal and not have the patterns in place to get you there. Your decisions determine your destiny. Make sense? The things you do today will lead to what happens tomorrow. If you make poor decisions today, don't be surprised when tomorrow feels poor. If you make wise decisions, they will trickle over into what happens tomorrow. Your decisions today affect your destiny then. So I want to encourage you, Walk Church, and you online, and you that are watching this at some point, to put in place habits that will help shape momentum. That's what we're talking about here today, and I want to give you a couple ideas that I'm going to be applying in my own life, and maybe you would take some and say, you know what, I'm going to apply that in mine as well. Let me give you a 2023 challenge. Write this down if you're a note taker. Build habits influenced by our core values. 
I want to encourage you to start to build some habits in your life. And whether you know it or not, you have habits. They might not be good habits, but all of, we're creatures of habit. We, we do things naturally, or we do things how we've been taught growing up. You might have to actually exchange habits that you knew once were your style, maybe in exchange them for something new. Habits that are influenced by our core values. Why do I say core values? Because what we believe at Walk Church is that our values shape the culture of our church. Let me put that on the screen. Our values shape the culture of our church. Hopefully it'll, I'm, I'm going I'm to keep trying to work it. Maybe it'll get a little more clear. Our, our values, the things that we value as a church, uh, become the things that shape the culture of our church. And why does culture matter? Well, culture is the thing that everything grows out of. Culture, in, in fact, as the more I study the word culture, it actually finds its home in agriculture or, or farming or gardening. Culture is the soil that you, you put the seeds in that allow the, the fruit to begin to rise up and begin to grow. Yeah. So depending on the culture you have will depend on the fruit you get. Right. So if you have healthy culture, healthy things will grow. If you have godly culture, you'll have a godly life, right? You'll, if you have culture that is influenced by our church values, that's the type of culture we're going to get as a church. Does that make sense? Yeah. All right, so let me keep working this, and hopefully it'll make sense. If it makes sense for me. I'm going to try to see if it'll make sense for you. Um, I, I still want to push up against our Americanized view of what church is. In fact, let me even use a word that I know is kind of popular and controversial. I'm even open to you deconstructing your view of church because there's a potential that your view of church is not a biblical view of church. You could have been taught a certain way or form of what church is that may not actually be what church is biblically. Ecclesia is the word. So I'll put this up on the screen. Write it down, remind yourself of it, refresh your on it. Church is not an event you go to. You don't go to church. It's like saying, yeah, I go to family. Wait, what do you mean you go? Church is not a building you walk into. Oh man, this is a beautiful church. It's actually a middle school cafeteria. <laughs> I'm just telling you, it, 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 it's a dope cafeteria that's decked out with some really cool stuff. Praise the Lord for the opportunity to meet in here. But it's not always like this. And that's totally okay because church isn't a building you walk into. Now, a building can, can house the church for a season or a segment or a time or a space. Church is a family you belong to. The word church ecclesia are called out sons and daughters that are put together on mission in the context of community and family with a same mission from our Lord, the, the commander of the army, Jesus Christ himself, the shepherd and the father, the lion and the lamb who leads this big family. It's him. It's Jesus. And we are on mission together. And what do we do here? The reason why we call this church, and I'm, I'm okay if we call Sunday's church, because here's the thing. We, as the church, come meet together. 
And we high five each other and we smile at each other and we say, hey, you're going to make it this week. And we're going to sing about the mercy and goodness of God. And we're going to hear a huddle and we're going to hear a word in the huddle and we're going to go out and apply it. Amen. This week, right? We're going to live it out. We're the church. Church is the family you belong to. Well, let me tell you something. This family has values. So today, if you're saying, yeah, I'm part of the Walk Church family, then you have to, I would encourage you to embrace the Walk Church values. Because the, when I say walk church, I'm not talking about an event. <laughs> I'm not talking about, it's not the building's values. It's your values. You're the church. It's my values. I'm the church. So it's taken us a seven-year journey, but today I feel like we're more secure and comfortable in our values than we've ever been. Sometimes it takes a little bit to figure out who you are. We as a church know who we are. In Christ, biblically rooted, we have six core values. I want to encourage you to shape habits out of our values. This week, we're going to talk about our first three values. Next week, we're going to talk about our next three values. And my prayer is that you'll look at our values and these values would influence your habits because that's what's going to shape the culture. Let me, tell, let me tell you our desire as a church. Can I tell you? Our, this is a vision Sunday. It's, it's the first Sunday of the year. Here's our desire. We desire for every, everybody say every. every. We desire for every family member to be a culture carrier. We want you to carry the culture of our family, our church, wherever you go. So we want you to be a culture carrier in the restaurant, a culture carrier in the home, a culture carrier in your business, a culture carrier at the coffee shop, a culture carrier at the gym. Come on, whatever you do, wherever you work, whatever neighborhood you live in, wherever hobby you play in, we want you to carry the culture of walk there. The church can't stay contained on Sunday. Amen? It's got to break out of that and influence the city because Jesus is the king of the kingdom. And the kingdom is Monday. The kingdom's Tuesday. Kingdom's Wednesday. Come on, help me. The kingdom's Thursday. The kingdom's Friday. The kingdom's Saturday. The kingdom's Sunday. Amen. The kingdom of God is always moving and shaping and and growing. I want you to carry the culture of our church. And our culture is shaped by our values. Okay, are we almost there? Our values shape the culture of our church. In order for you to be a culture carrier, you have to be a values carrier. If you're going to shape the culture, if you want to get into the dirt and shape the culture that things grow out of, you got to carry the values. That's what we're talking about. Why values matter to us. And I'm going to even say something bold. I'm going to say something that's risky. It may get me in trouble a little bit. But today, I'm a little bit okay with it. In the most loving way, I'll say this. I want to say it very lovingly. Today, if you were to say, you know what, Pastor Hyden, I don't know if I really like or agree or I'm with the values of this church. I'm going to lovingly tell you to find a different church. In the most encouraging way. Here's why. Because the values shape the culture of this church. And if you don't like the values of this church, you're going to be frustrated. And what's worse than a frustrated Christian? I want you to feel free in this place, happy in this place, enjoy this place. I want, you to, I want your buy-in to be just as much as my buy-in. So today, if you're like, you know what? 
I don't really dig the, the values here. I'm going to say, man, find a place where your values meet their values so you guys can be on the same team. I, like, you won't hurt my feelings. In fact, I, I would encourage you to go where you can grow, but my prayer is it's here. My prayer is that you can look at our core values here at Walk Church, which I'm about to share, and that you could say, I can, get, I can get around those. In fact, I can build habits influenced by those. If you got all that, say, I got it. I got it. All right, Lord, we're ready. We got it. I pray you'd help us now to catch this sermon, to start this year. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Let me give you the first core value. Number one core value. First core value is, does anybody know it? Dependent on God. It's God dependence. I like it, Jaffer. It's God dependence. Our first core value is we are a God-dependent church. What do, we value God. We, we value leaning on God. The word dependent by definition means absolutely reliant upon someone or something. If you're dependent on somebody or dependent on something, it means you're relying on that thing to be your source of provision. We are God-dependent. We value the Lord. Now, you might say, that just kind of sounds like a duh statement for every church. I just want to tell you, that's not the case for every church. In fact, sadly, I would say that I've heard this along my journey of traveling or speaking at conferences or learning from other leaders or consultants, that today there's many of churches that have figured out how to do church. They know what to say. They have good speakers. They have nice lights. They have a beautiful stage. They have uh, great talent and voices. No God. They've, they've, they've learned how to do church good enough. They don't need God anymore. And what happens is if you get to that place, you no longer are God dependent. You're self dependent. Let me give you a quote from a pastor that I respect named John Piper. Piper says it like this. The most dangerous thing in the world is the sin of self-reliance. most dangerous thing that you could get to is, I think I can do it myself. I, I don't need to depend on God. I actually don't need you either. I just, I got, I'm, I'm strong enough. I got enough degrees or credentials or wisdom or I'm street smart or I got it. I, I, you don't know what I've been through. I know you need God. <laughs> I just know you need him. You can't convince me otherwise. The smartest person in the room needs God. The, the, the most unlearned person in the room needs God. And look at the Bible. God uses both, doesn't he? He uses the weak person. He uses the strong person. He's the God of Jacob. He's the, he's the God of Mary, who we just learned about in the Christmas story. He's the God of me and you. The most dangerous thing in the world is that you go through life and you're like, I don't need God. In fact, it, I don't know if you read Proverbs 1 this morning, but if you didn't, you should build a habit that makes sure you read it every day. Proverbs 1 says, if you go through life self-reliant, it's going to be tough to call on him when you need him. I was like, whoa. In fact, the scripture says that wisdom will laugh at you in that moment. Like, call on him today. And, and, and come on, how about grace? E even, even the thief on the cross who was cussing out Jesus on the way to the cross, on the, on, the, on the cross he had this moment of revelation. That's the, that's the son of God. Remember me, and Jesus says, I'll remember you. 
Today you'll be with me in paradise. That, that moment of faith in that moment can activate life change even in the last moment. Praise God for grace. Amen. If you turn with faith, he will meet you. But in, don't wait for that moment. Start making decisions today to get you some momentum. I don't want to be self-reliant. I want to be God-dependent. This year, my prayer is that you would have the most God-dependent year of your life where you need him more than you've ever needed him before and you got him more than you ever got before. It's my prayer for you. Our, our, one, our first core values were God-dependent. I once heard somebody say, hey, hi, and you guys pray a lot. The reason why we pray a lot is because we're God-dependent. It would be foolish to say, oh yeah, we value God-dependence, but we don't really pray. That doesn't make sense. Or, or you know, we, we are a word-driven church. Like we, pr- sermons are robust. This isn't story time. Like, I'm just telling you, if you're looking for that, this might not be the right place for you. We're going to get in the word. We're going to work the word. We're going to go slower through books of the Bible. We're God-dependent on the word. We're going to eat the word. I'm just telling you, this is the culture of this church. We're very word-driven. And I believe that that model is shaped through the Bible. I I love this verse out of Acts chapter 2, verse 46 and 47. Look at this moment. The, The church is just being birthed. Right? Jesus just lived, this, he's born of a virgin, lived the sinless life, died the sinner's death, rose from the grave, right? defeating death, sin, and hell, hangs out with the disciples for 40 days, talking about the kingdom of God, then ascends to the right hand of the Father and leaves the church with the mission. Now, here's, the, here's where they're at. What does the church begin to do? I think what they do is they start to shape habits that build momentum. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching is contained for us in this book. They, they, they devoted themselves to the word and the fellowship. They said, we can't do this on our own. We need each other, right? Christianity is less like golf, all right? It's more like football. It's more like Christianity is not like, hey, I'm just going to do this by myself. I'll keep score. No, 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 you need each other. We, we, Christianity is a, a, is a team sport. All right, teaching and the fellowship to the breaking of bread. We're going to take communion today. We love groups and eating together. We don't do this by ourselves. And the prayers. We love praying together. Every Wednesday we have a prayer meeting. Get there. Get there. Stop making excuses. You're like, wow, pastor's really challenging me. Yes, I totally am. I love you that much. I want you to win this year. I want you to build habits that are going to shape momentum. I don't want you to get to December of 2023 and be like, man, I didn't, you know, no, I didn't really, I I think I was better last year. I I didn't really do the things. You can make that decision today. Oh, I came upon every soul. They were like, oh, (laughs) and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And, and, And it continues. If you read the rest of Acts 2, it says, and many were being added to the number of Christians and disciples and the kingdom daily. You know what? You ever think, you know, how come we don't see results like that? Because we don't have habits like that. If we start getting devoted the way our brothers and sisters back in the day were devoted, maybe we would see similar results. What does the word devote mean? Good question. I'm going to put it up here on the screen. 
To devote yourself. Here's what it means. To give over or direct time, money, effort, etc., to a cause, enterprise, or activity. I want to encourage you to give over or direct your time, money, effort, etc., to Jesus. To his body, to this house, to, to what God is doing in your life. Don't leave it up to chance. Don't say, oh, you know what? I think I'll do that maybe in like March. I'll do that today. Right? Give over. What does it mean to devote yourself? It means to give yourself. That's Webster's. Oxford Dictionary says, devote. To give all or a large part of one's time or resources to a person, activity, or cause. I want you to give more of yourself to Jesus this year. I, I, I want to I challenge you to be God-dependent. Here's the two areas of God-dependence to give yourself to. Here's the two. Ready? It's the word and prayer. The word and prayer. I once heard a pastor named H.B. Charles. He was asked the question, what's more important, the word or prayer? And he said, what's more important on an airplane, the left wing or the right wing? We need them both. Amen. You take one away, we're going down. I need a strong word hunger. I need a strong prayer hunger if I'm going to fly this year. If I'm going to make a difference, if I'm going to have momentum, this has to be a God-dependent year in the word. It has to be a God-dependent year in prayer. Jesus says, man doesn't live off bread alone. Now you have habits around food, right? You got let one person miss a meal. Oh, they hangry. Sheesh. I can't miss that. I, I, got, I got breakfast. I got lunch. I got dinner and a bunch of snacks in between, right? We got habits that shape our desire to eat. To eat. I get it. I'm not, I'm not hating on that. I'm just saying man doesn't live off bread alone, but off the word. You got to build some habits around the word. Here's how Hayden does this. I realize if I don't have a habit, I won't do it. Here's my habit. I start with the Proverbs. Y'all have heard me say it for years. I'm going to keep on saying it. Proverbs a day. All right? You, you start with the proverb of the day. Today's chapter one. Get it in sometime today. Proverbs 1 verse 7 spoke to me. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of the whole wisdom piece is to have a right view of God. Right? Tomorrow is January 2nd. Read Proverbs 2. The next day's January 3rd. Help me. Read Proverbs 3. It's a habit. I've been doing it for over a decade. And sometimes, you know what? I'll, I'll be talking in Proverbs because they're in me. I need wisdom. Amen? And every month, chapter 5, 6, and 7 says, stay away from the adulterous person. And it's a good reminder where Solomon's trying to encourage everybody to make war with lust, to make war with sin. And you need that reminder. It's a habit. It's a reminder to be wise. It's a reminder to be humble. It's a reminder to grow. It's a reminder to be a leader. It's a reminder. Shape a habit off the word. Right? Another thing that I do as a habit is I'm always reading one of the gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John. Currently, I'm reading the gospel of John. And I'm loving it. Now, listen to me. I've read the gospel of John a lot of times along my journey. I have. For some reason, I'm reading it and it feels like it's my first time reading it. I don't know 
Come on, where's Ruth Cassell at? I heard his, do you know what I'm talking about, Ruth? You just reread the gospel and it's like new again, right? It's so fresh again. And so I want to encourage you always to be close to Jesus. You can smell him. <laughs> Smells like Jesus in the gospels. Read Matthew, read Mark, read Luke, recycle through them. I would encourage you to read other parts of the Bible, of course, as well. I read the Old Testament. We just finished a whole year series in Nehemiah. I read, I read other parts. You just heard me quote so many pieces from Paul. We spent 75 sermons in Ephesians. We love the whole Bible, Genesis to Revelation. Just get in the Word. It's an ocean. Swim in it, right? Jump in, swim around. You need the Word. Get, get to a place where you're dependent on it. Like some people are dependent on coffee. Like, oh, don't talk to me until I've had my coffee. You ever seen those shirts and all that, right? Like make one that says until I've read the Proverbs. <laughs> don't talk to me until I got a word in me. You know, so many times I always give it away. I start with the word. Something during the day happens and I'm, I got a word for you. I read it earlier. I wonder if I read it just to give it to you. God wanted to speak to you through me. It doesn't always happen, but it happens a lot. If you win the morning, most times you win the day. The word in prayer, I want to encourage you to make it a priority to have a prayer life this year. To increase your relationship. God talks to us through the word. We talk back through prayer. What a relationship. Don't leave it up to Sunday to be the fullness of your relationship. Amen? Come on, let me, what if, what if I, what if I told Nina, I said, all right, baby, 2023, it's going to be our year. We're going to have momentum on our marriage. I'm going to, I'm going to see you every Sunday for an hour and a half. And then I'll see you the next Sunday and we'll spend an hour and a half. That's it though. What would you say? Y'all are laughing at me up here. What's wrong with that? That's some of you with God. You're like, you're like, man, I got a deep relationship with God. I go to church every week. When does that consist of a deep relationship? You see somebody for an hour and a half a week? The, the deepest relationship is supposed to be with Jesus. What if Jesus like, I thought we were going to spend time later. thought we were going to spend time Monday. thought we were going to go on a date Tuesday. thought we were going to hang out Wednesday. I'm, devotion. Increase your devotion. Increase your relationship. Go to the next level with your abiding. This word abide, it's a biblical word. John 15, Jesus talks about the relationship we should have should be like a vine and a branch. In other words, it's okay if it's kind of boring. Just hang on to Jesus, amen? amen. Look at John 15. We'll just read two verses in it. Verse four, abide in me. Let's read it together. Abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Can you, did you hear that? Er, pause. You can't bear fruit by yourself. So if you're trying hard to muster enough strength and energy to pop out of fruit, ain't going to happen. Unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. This is Jesus saying, if you abide in me, if you hang on to me, if you spend time with me, if you wrap your arms around me, fruit will come. Here we go. Verse 5. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Now, I don't know about you, but this verse frustrates me too. Jesus, I sometimes want to say nothing. I can, can I do a little something by myself, Lord? 
Jesus is like, you got nothing. <laughs> Don't leave it to yourself. You will oftentimes mess. I was reading Proverbs uh, chapter 30. The first few verses of Proverbs is Solomon writing. He goes, I'm too stupid to be a man. I always make the wrong decisions. I'm like, yes, my brother, right? On time word, right? We, we, we'll blow it. But Jesus says, but with me, if you abide in me, this year, if you want to have shallow fruit, have a shallow relationship. If you want to have an abundance of fruit, have an abundant relationship. You get to decide. Decide what type of relationship you want with Jesus. Are you going to be God dependent or not? Are you going to be reliant or not? It's not a salvation issue. It's a quality of relationship issue. Right? Like, you can get married and have a really crappy marriage. You know what I'm saying? Don't elbow your spouse, please. Please. Keep it safe, all right? It's not like, a well, we're not married. No, you could be married and just not have the intimacy in your relationship. Jesus is saying you could be saved and have a ticket in your back pocket to heaven and totally not have the relationship that he wants with you. He wants to know you and have a, have a deeper, intimate, oh, there's so many words he wants to give you this year. If you, if you make, make time. Can I get the definition for devote one more time? We're almost done. Give yourself to the word. Direct your time there. Give, give your money to it. If you need to buy a new Bible, buy it or let us buy you one or grab one for the back. It's free. Direct your effort there. Download the app. Get to the prayer night. Get a, come on. Y'all know what I'm saying? I'm not saying be more religious. I'm saying be more relationship. Get with him. Build habits around our first core value, God dependence. That people would be around you and say, whoa, this person met with the Lord. They must be dependent on God. We're dependent on so much other things. What if we got dependent on God? I said the word in prayer. Let me give you the second way we're going to be God dependent. Is through 21 days with Jesus. Every January, we take 21 days to be intentional with our relationship with him. 21 days with Jesus. It's what we call deepen. Deepen is our campaign. It's our theme. It's our emphasis to go deeper. The, the word deeper by definition is beyond the surface. And I just don't want you to have a surfaceable relationship. I want you to have a deep relationship. Deep that goes beyond the surface. How do we do that? Well, we have a habit. What's our habit? Every January, 21 days. So here's 21 days prayer and fasting. It's kicking off on January 9th, which is next Monday. What does that mean? You got a whole week to get ready, amen? You got a whole week to prepare your mind, prepare your heart for 21 days. It's going to go from the 9th to the 29th. It's going to end with our church conference. Oh, it's going to be so good. We got speakers, Eric Mason. We got Pastor Vance Pittman coming back. We got all types of leaders coming back for the conference. Oh, block out that weekend, the 27th through 29th. It's going to be fire. But leading up to that, we got habits. Here's the thing that's unique about this 21 days of prayer and fasting. It's going to be a little bit different than our, our, our normal. This time of fasting, I want to encourage you to not necessarily fast a food unless you feel led to. 
But for those 21 days, I want to encourage you to fast a distraction. I want to encourage you to fast a distraction. Now, I know biblical fasting has to do with food. I get it. The concept of fasting, if you apply it to Jesus, is saying, I'm going to say no to something to say yes to someone. I want to encourage you to say no to something. In this case, for the January 23, I want to encourage you to say no to a distraction. So what does that mean? If you are a habitual, that's the word habit. You do something habitually, you just do it instinctively. If you're a habitual snooze hitter, you got to fast the snooze hit. You got to wake up. Oh, 21 days of getting up. That could be, it's a, it's a distraction. If, if your distraction has to do with scrolling, fast the distraction. Delete the app. If your distraction is Amazon scrolling, hopefully you're Amazoned out by now. I mean, come on. You got that all out of your system, December. You're like, all right, it's 12 o'clock. Okay, and now it's 2 o'clock. You're still on Amazon. Ooh, I, I don't really need it, but I want it. Buy, one click. It's already on its way. It's already on its way. If you need to delete the Amazon app, if your distraction has to do with shopping, or if your distraction has to do with laziness, or your distraction has to do with pornography, make a change and, and delete the distraction for 21 days. And hopefully the habit goes into place and you don't end up picking it back up. If your distraction is lying, stop lying. If your distraction is, you know what, I uh, typically schedule nail appointments on Sunday morning. Schedule a new day. I don't know. For, you, for these 21 days, I want you to, over the next week, you got a whole week to get with the Lord and say, God, what's my distraction that I need to fast from? For 21 days, we're going to intentionally pray. We're going to fast the distraction. Could have to do with food, and if the Lord speaks that to you, wants you to do it for 21 days. And for 21 days, we as a church are going to read the Gospel of John. As a church, we're going to read one chapter a day. Next Sunday, you got to get here and you got to bring somebody. We're going to give everybody a booklet that, that we're creating and designing for 21 days of going deeper. It's going to be a journey through John. Do you guys know how many chapters are in the Gospel of John? 21. 21. Come on. Richard was on it. Richard was like, I, you know. 21 days of prayer and fasting, journeying through the word together with intentional prayer points. Why? Because we want to go deeper. We want to have habits that shape our value. If somebody says, hey, why do you guys always do the 21 days of prayer and fasting? Well, we're a God-dependent church. What do you think we were going to do? It's our value. We do what we value. I want to encourage you to have God-dependence, to, to, to create culture of God dependence through prayer, fasting, even saying no to a distraction to say yes to Jesus, spending time with him will be the greatest decision you could do to, sh to, to shape and set the course for the rest of the year. Amen? Let me give you point number two. Our second core value here at Walk Church is authentic community. Our second core, we have, we have six core values. The first one's God dependence. If you removed God from this church, it, we wouldn't be the same church. We need God more than ever. 
The second core value is authentic community. I want to encourage everybody here in 2023 to become more authentic in your community. Here's how we're going to do it, all right? And this is going to be an unpopular point in the sermon. I'm giving you the spoiler alert. Here it goes. If you're ready, say ready. ready. Come on, tap the person next to you. Say, get ready. ready. Here's how I want us to shape a habit of becoming a more authentic community. By being less secretive. Walk church, hear me. I want you to become less secretive. Become less secretive. Come on, say it with me. Just try to get it out. Become less secretive. If you want to live out this value, build habits around becoming less secretive. And here's why I really think this is an important point. It's really important because we live in a culture in a day and age where we're very secretive and private in a lot of things, especially our youth. And let me just go ahead and talk to the middle school students, the high school students, the college and young adult students. We live in a a culture that prioritizes and emphasizes being secret. In fact, a lot of people utilize apps like Instagram. They have one account so that everybody can see the, the, that, that self. They have a second account so they can post all the stuff they want to be secret about. And it's not that secret, y'all. And what I'm trying to encourage you to do is if that's the case, you're not being authentic. And Jesus died for the real you, not the fake you. Jesus wants the real you. I'm talking to everybody in this place. I'm talking to everybody in the room. I'm talking to myself. I'm talking to our team, our staff, those who are online. Become less secretive. Charles Spurgeon once said, write my life in the clouds. I'm an open book. I, I got integrity. You can ask me any question. You can, you can take a look at the, the, the logs, the, the, whatever. My wife, Nina, has all my passwords. My, our, our team members can look at stuff. Let's become less secretive because the less secretive you become, the more free you'll get. I once heard this quote from a pastor named Chris Hodges. He says, you'll always stay as sick as your secrets. And so don't feel like you have to be one person with a certain group of people and then another person with another group of people. And you know what? I, you know, I'm going to fake it till I make it. You'll never make it. Listen to me, high school students. Listen to me. Pretty soon you'll be out of high school and most people won't care. Start being the real person today. Middle school students, there's nothing really cool out there. Not that much. Start, you know what's cool? The real you. The authentic you. The authentic, the authentic you. Don't feel like you, and this is why I'm, I'm speaking to everybody too. I just know that it's popular amongst apps because the average teenager has five different social media accounts. I was talking to somebody yesterday. She was like, I said, what's your favorite social media? She said, YouTube. I didn't even know YouTube was a social media. It's like, wait, I thought that was just where you watch like basketball highlights. Come on, somebody. Right? <laughs> like, wait, that's a social media? I mean, you know, TikTok's the most popular one. It's hard to even keep up with these things. And most of them are create. I got a message from Instagram not too long ago. It says, do you want to activate secret messaging? No. 
I don't want to activate that. However, you can unsubscribe from that. Unsubscribe from that. That's a trap. That, that's trying to influence you to be more secretive. That's demonic. The devil would love you to be secretive in all of your ways and then be smiley right here. We're living in a day and age where suicide rate is at the top amongst a lot of people that look really happy. I would rather you be authentic in your life, in your walk, with your pain. Delete the second app. Delete the other fake account. Be one you. You're just one person. Amen? Become less secretive. Second one. I know it's uncomfortable, but lean into the... Uh, ask yourself. If you feel uncomfortable right now, ask yourself, why do I feel uncomfortable? Just ask yourself. You might get to the reason. There's some people right here in this room, I wouldn't doubt it. In our city, in this room right now, I don't know everybody in this room, but I would say, I would willing... I'm not a betting man, but if I had to bet, I would bet some people in this room are living with a secret affair. You, you know you are, and you have just enough secrecy in your life for nobody to ever know. But this year, you could actually be free. It would ruin the first part of your year, but it's better to ruin the first part of your year to be open and honest and deal with your stuff than to ruin the rest of your life. Or to live in a lie. Blow, blow, blow that up. Find somebody you can trust who's not going to gossip about you. Find somebody who loves you, who's godly, who's been with Jesus. You can ask any of our staff or any of our pastoral team or our pastor's wives, credible leaders, and just say, hey, I've never shared this with, you, with anybody, but I need help. Would you help me? You can have a commitment, at least from our pastoral team, that I could tell you, we will help you. We won't judge you. We won't make fun of you. We won't call a separate prayer meeting to pray for you. We're going to say, hey, me, we're going to help you experience freedom this year because we're not playing around with church. We're walking in freedom, real freedom. Amen. Amen. We're going from A to B. Not we're not going backwards. We're going forwards. Momentum. The only way for you to experience momentum is to get honest, to deal with your issues, and you can trust the Lord with that. Amen? Amen? Don't feel like you need to be the fake you. Be the real you. Have you ever noticed that God identifies himself as the God of Jacob? Have you seen that? Even, even G- with Jesus, he says, God is the God of, the li- God's the God of Jacob. Why does that phrase blow my mind? Have you ever learned about Jacob? Jacob was the most wicked, deceptive, fake person in the Bible. Oh my goodness. He's deceiving his brother. He's deceiving his mom. He runs away. He marries two wives. Not a good idea. He has 12 kids. He has all types of problems. He has a wrestling match with the angel of the Lord, who we believe was the incarnate Jesus. And then he's changed and given a new identity and a new name. His new name is Israel. But God still says, I'm the God of Jacob. Why does that encourage me? Because God's the God of messed up people, all right? You can be honest and authentic, and God will say, I'll claim you. I'll, I'll pick you. I love you. I want you and all of your baggage and past. Let Jesus take it, amen? Oh, man. Become less secretive. Second point, become more authentic. Become more authentic. That's what I want you to do. I want you to become more authentic.
It's become the real you. Get, get inside of a charge group and live authentic in your community this year. Get around some people and, and, and help somebody else get better. Share something. Grow somewhere. Be more authentic. Even if that looks like you're being more transparent. Here's what I found. Authenticity is contagious. Did you hear me? Authenticity is contagious. So in other words, I've found that whenever I'm in a setting and I start to almost get weirdly transparent with my authenticity, like, hey guys, I'm actually, I'm going through this. Would y'all pray for me? Or uh, I need help. I'm growing in this area. I need to work on this. You know what I typically find people go? Oh, I'm going to share now. I got stuff going on too. Authenticity will jump on the person next to you and unlock freedom in them. And so I would encourage you, if you're going to build habits around authentic community, then become less secretive, become more authentic. If you got all that, say, I got it. All right. Praise God. Let me give you the third point. The third point is this life giving atmosphere. Our third core value at Walk Church, this is the last one, and then we're going to close, is life-giving atmosphere. I want to encourage you to devote yourself to building habits around God-dependence, authentic community, and life-giving atmosphere. Help me preach this last point, everybody. Help me preach this last point. Um, When you hear life-giving, what do you hear? Joy. Joy. What else? What's life-giving? Salvation. Salvation. What's life-giving? Encouragement redeeming. What does life-giving feel like? It feels refreshing. Assisting? Text somebody back? Life-giving. Hmm? Healing. Life-giving is healing. Life-giving is patient. Life-giving is peace. Feel that. Value. Life-giving is when I feel value. Purpose. Protection. So we're, we're... We're identifying what life-giving is. Build habits around being life-giving. I want to encourage you. Somebody said encourage. Start to be a better encourager this year. Maybe you make it your goal. I'm going to build a habit. Once a day, I'm going to encourage somebody. Maybe through a text message. It may be through your kid. It may be through your spouse. Maybe through a best friend. Maybe something on social media. You're going to put out an encouragement. I don't know what that looks like for you, but that's life-giving. Somebody said, smile. Maybe you say, I'm going to build habits. I'm going to smile more this year. It's going to be uncomfortable and weird, but I, you know what? A smile can brighten a room, amen? The same way this can, this can, this can kill a room. What, what's going to happen? You're going to get a bunch of people that are going to say, what's wrong? If you come in, you know what? I'm, I'm happy to be here. I'm life-giving. I'm bringing life. I'm not taking life. Too many people don't go to church because they feel like church is life-taking. Church should be life-giving, amen? We're the church, so we should be giving life. How about, how about clean? Life-giving is clean. Anybody ever feel, feel like, you know, you just, man, you feel like feel life when your house is clean? You feel like, man, I, your, your, your closet is clean, your bedroom's, your car is clean. You're like, ooh, I just feel, this feels life-giving in here. Maybe that's, your, maybe that's a habit you need to shape. Maybe you put in a habit on giving life. Why don't you, what if you started cleaning? You start giving life. 
What if you start serving? You start giving life. Come on, Nina, how many, kid, how many people are serving on the 412 in January? 65. 65 people. It's a record. She told me that last night. That's a record. 65 people are saying, I'm going to give life this year. Maybe you might start serving in the sweet creations. You might start serving on the worship team. You might start serving in your neighborhood. You might start serving all over the place because it's life-giving. You might start serving on the greeter ministry. Come on, Carrie, right? Pump it up. I'll tell you what. We get feedback from so many people that fill out surveys. It's called our first-time guest survey. Somebody's a first-time guest. They get a survey, optional if they want to fill it out. What was your most memorable part of the service? I was thinking they would say the sermon. <laughs> it's rarely the sermon. Maybe that's for me. I got to work on some stuff. It always is the greeters at the front were just blessing me, smiling, high-fiving me. They had a sign that said, I look great. Why? It's life-giving. Why do we put the stress-free soaps in the bathroom? Those, aren't, those don't belong to Schofield. It's life-giving. Why, why, do, why do we have a whole sweet creations ministry? It's because it's life-giving. You, know, you can go to our merch area. If you don't have enough money, we'll bless you with the thing. It's like, we just want to give life. Right? We want, our, we want everything that has to do with Walk Church to be life-giving in what we do and how we respond and how we give and how we go. Generosity is life-giving. What if you started to initiate and you started to even pay? That's life-giving. I want to encourage you to think, think through that. I was at a dinner the other night, and some person said, hey, Hayden, where's the bathroom? And I, I started to say, oh, you know what? If you just go back that way, and then it hit me. That's not life-giving. I said, here, let me, let me walk you. Let me show you. So I got out of the booth. I said, hey, so by the way, how you been doing? How's things going on in your life? Here's the bathroom. And then I realized... Not only that, but it would be life-giving for me to... I said, you want me to wait so we can f find our way back? Please. So I waited, walked the person back to life-giving. Smile. Ask somebody how they're doing and listen. Life-giving atmosphere is to give life. The second point is to receive life. Come on, you got to receive it. Hey, how about let somebody take you to coffee? <laughs> Let somebody to buy your meal. Let somebody forgive you. Let somebody say, I love you and receive it. The, the most important life you could receive, Walk Church, is his life. Today, if you need to receive Jesus, start the year off and receive him. Every first Sunday of the year, uh, of the month and the year, we take communion. This little bread and this juice represent his life. These represent the body and the blood of Jesus. Uh, you don't have to partake in this. This little packet does not represent salvation. Uh, I'm sorry, this, this, this packet does not produce salvation. This is what Jesus did to save you when you partake in it. You're reminded of that. Matthew 26, Jesus says it like this. He took the cup, he took the bread, and after blessing it, broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. 
And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Today, if you walk up to the communion table and you go, Yes! I won't be mad at you, because this is a reminder you've been forgiven. If you walk up to the communion table and you go, Thank you, God. It's a reminder because you see the cross when you see the body, the, the bread. Before you take this and you just say, you know what, Lord, forgive me. I, I just, I've, been, I've been sinning. I've been off. I've been wrong. And you repent of something in the moment, just do it. If you need to make a relationship right with somebody in the room, practice authentic community. And then when you're ready, after you've examined yourself, you don't do this for forgiveness. You do this to be reminded, and I'm forgiven. Thank you for the blood. Thank you for the body. That's why we take communion. Amen? Amen. Father, we thank you for this day. God, I feel momentum in the room. There's momentum in the room. God, we're getting more dependent. We're getting more hungry for you, less hungry for the world. We worship you. We honor you. We love you. We need you. We're getting less secretive, more authentic. And if there's anybody here today or online that today you just happen to get in this room and you recognize, I need Jesus now. I can't wait. I need him now. I want to invite you to receive him by faith right now. Just say, Lord, Lord I'm ready. I can't do this on my own. I acknowledge I'm a sinner and I need to be saved. Come into my life and save me. Change me. Rearrange me. Give me momentum. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for rising from the grave. Thank you for resurrecting me. I love you. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Praise God.